It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's discuss the quarterback situation in our QB1 segment. All right, Dan, so rather than go to category by category, because I think that we had two quarterbacks who fit the role of QB1, I think we should just take a one at a time. Let's start with what Justin Fields did, good and bad, and then we'll get to Tyson Bajan because there's some thoughts I think I want to explore there. Um, you know, when the, the fact of the matter is, you know, when Justin Fields left the game and holding the ball, 6.1 seconds that kind of exposed his biggest weakness and it came back to hurt him. He leaves the game six to 10, 58 yards, four sacks, 39 yards was his long completion, which was a beauty. Um, and a passer rating of 36.7. That's just not acceptable uh, for a starting quarterback where he is and what he had accomplished in the previous two games. I wonder what your biggest reason you think was what, why he struggled to the extent he did. Well, I'll tell you what I was bothered by most first, and it was that you saw the injury coming because as the second half began, you could see that Justin wasn't in the proper headspace to handle what was being thrown at him in terms of pressure and handling the pressure and keeping eyes up and making sure that you're still being a quarterback first before you become a runner. And so a couple plays before uh, he was injured, he got out on a tuck and run scramble and he was thrown to the ground by Daniil Hunter on one of his shoulders where from the press box, I leaned over to Colleen Kane and said, man, like that's exactly the kind of play you get hurt on because you're prioritizing your escapability over trying to make plays in the pocket. A couple plays before that, there was a, another tuck and run. And so from the outset of the second half, it, it had become clear that the passing game was uh, again, malfunctioning, you know, and when the passing game malfunctions and the quarterback goes into that, um, into that mode, right? And this is the thing I know I can rely on. Well, now it, it does everything that we were worried it does, and it exposes you to hits. He finally stays in the pocket on the play he gets hurt on, and then he lands awkwardly because the ball's not out on time. He doesn't see a potential open receiver in DJ Moore curling in an open zone down the field. He doesn't see a check down valve in Darrington Evans on along the left sideline, which is goes back to a thing that we talked about last January on like Man, like just if it's not there, get that hit that check down and live to see another play. It doesn't go there and he's hurt. And so I was just bothered by how different it looked from Washington. I think a lot of that is is because Brian Flores comes at you with a lot of different looks. And we talked in our preview podcast about what the, the Blitz and the Buccaneers did to Justin Fields and how uncomfortable it made him. It was the same situation on Sunday. Justin doesn't handle pressure well. He doesn't handle his own defense as well. The Vikings gave him a bunch of both and it was a mess. It was a mess, and I think Matt Bowen's numbers and, and film study revealed that Brian Flores blissed over 70% of the time, and when you think about that, you know, seven out of every 10 snaps, here come the Vikings, and here comes the defense, and forces you to process quickly. If that is the book on Justin Fields, it's it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be easy to to move forward with him as starting quarterback of any NFL team. He's got to do better at that, and I think that's the, that to me was troubling. Maybe you could see that coming. I don't think that anybody envisioned him getting injured and leaving, but I do think that you saw 
him from the first snap. And, and I wonder what happened on the first snap. There yeah. was, it didn't bode well. And, 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 you know, it's easy to be critical of Luke Getze. And I have been and will continue to be because I just don't think that, that you, you can justify having one target for your number one wide receiver in, in, in a half after he's coming off the, the games that he did. But maybe part – maybe there's a, a blind spot there, something that we don't know about coaching Justin Fields that he makes him consistently unable to diagnose what's coming, and that gets in the way too because I, I don't know how you prepare all week. You line up in an empty backfield on your first snap, and then you get sacked by a pass rusher who's unblocked. That well, to me destroys everything about – makes you feel like, okay, everything you prepared for is out the window right now because you are not ready to play. So you bring up a very key point on that play, and it's that they were in an empty backfield. So you have no extra help. You know what I mean? You've got you've got receivers all over, and, and you, you're basically trying to block six with five with the way the Vikings align. So pre-step, you have to be aware of that if you're the quarterback. You have to understand, I don't have a back to pick up one of these guys. I have to kind of have a sense for where this pressure is going to come from, and I've got to get this ball out quick, and I've got to move away from whichever direction the free runner is coming from and throw the ball, and it didn't happen. And again, like I've said, that's a loss of seven on the very first play of the game. And we talked about in Washington that they had, I think, maybe one negative play for the entire first half when they exploded for those 307 yards and, and 27 points. Well, in the first series, on Sunday, they had three plays for negative yardage, including the, the first play of the game, as you mentioned, with a seven-yard loss that not only was a seven-yard loss, but it exposed Justin to a big hit that you feel. You know, and when you take a hit like that on the first play of the game, you're not comfortable. You you, you don't feel uh, the the quiet mind that you would like to have, like existed at FedEx Field. And so now you're you're just battling that uh, from that point forward, and it never got better from there. And and so these are things that just like man, you you have to have answers for that, and the Bears didn't. So. I it's curious before we move on to a couple of specifics. Like, so where do you stand on? Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The again, Getsy, I want to believe in. I like what he talks. At least to think he was grounded. I, I don't know because yesterday was a disappointment. Sunday was a disappointment in that I just don't think that he put his quarterback in the best position to succeed. I think that you know the, these formations don't make a lot of sense. And I'm not an NFL assistant coach, but. I just don't think that they did a nice job of building on the momentum that was established in the previous two weeks. And you know why, if you have a quarterback that still clearly struggles diagnosing things and you go into a game against Brian Flores from the very first snap, yeah, you put him in a position that he's got to do that immediately. I just, you don't ease into anything. I just don't know that that was handled well by the, by the coaching staff. Well, I, I, I mean, I quarterbacks think at, at fault too, but I, I, I don't know. I, I tend to blame the coach as much as if not more than the quarterback in situations. Like it's that. equal opportunity failure, but I think the whole point was to try to ease into it. It was to get a completion that required you to catch a snap and then get the ball out as quickly as possible to a guy that that's open there. And it didn't, it didn't turn out that way. I, I think there are some legitimate points to be made about how DJ Moore coming off such a, a an incredible game does 
doesn't get a, a few more uh, targets in the first half. Obviously, I think the interception that Justin threw another ish, uh, instance where 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 pressure was not handled well by the blocking assignment. Matt Eberflus emphatic on Monday to say that Darnell Wright, uh, Wright has to handle that that bigger rusher and allow the back to then take the defensive back that's coming off the edge. He, he said big on big, little on little. That's kind of the rule up front there. And and Justin, you know, looking for a shot play to DJ Moore gets hit. The ball fl- flutters up in the air and it's an interception. David, that was a, a sequence that in my rewatch, I, I starred four times because it's six to six. You're at the end of the first half and you've just gotten a takeaway with your two linebackers combining on a, a strip sack that squirts up in the air and Tremaine Edmonds uh, catches it for what was officially recorded as a fumble recovery. And now you've got a chance to go down on your home field and punch in a score. And instead you respond with a takeaway that the Vikings then turn around and they, they, they march down for a touchdown drive and you just let momentum get entirely away from you at a moment when you could have seized it. And with all the things that go wrong for this team, when you're in a game like that against a mediocre opponent and you have an opportunity there and you fail to seize it, well then of course you're going to wind up losing by six points and, and dropping to one and five. That's kind of what I mean is that you got third and two. And you got the opportunity to seize control of momentum and to get points out of that drive that you need points at. And it's third and two. And I know third and two isn't what it used to be, but you are controlling the line of scrimmage. So why didn't you just take yeah. the opportunity to continue to do that? And, and, and again, it's, it's easy. When offensive coordinators start passing on running plays and running on passing downs, you start that, that's how you start to coach your way, call plays, out of a job and start to, you know, volunteer for uh, to be replaced or get one step closer to unemployment. I just think you got too cute. That's a, that's a great example. Um, I'm okay with critiquing that example for sure. That's, that's one where you say, man, like just, just keep moving, just keep moving, you know, get those chains moving and get, get a, a field goal at a minimum and a touchdown at the most. In fairness, you know, Justin Fields on the 39 yard completion of Darna Mooney, he threw, it was an anticipatory throw. He saw it happening before it happened. Mooney got open and he delivered the ball. And it was really uh, a reminder of what Justin Fields is capable of really and a reminder of what we saw the previous two weeks for the most part. That's who he can be. I don't know if that's ever who he's going to be consistently, but you get those glimpses and they tease you into thinking that he can be the guy. Well, right. But we're past the glimpse stage. The glimpse stage was 2022 and it was training camp of 2023. Like we're in the consistency stage now. And until you can uh, check that box, then we're just spinning our tires in the mud.